there. This is the A Lot to Say podcast, a conversation-based project focused on unconventional career paths and the projects that consume us. I'm your host, Gary Williams, or Gaz, as many call me. And A Lot to Say is part of the Alts Project's family of content, uh, obsessing about the overlap between creativity, technology, and culture. I'm fortunate to spend my days working alongside technologists, artists, researchers, and people who just generally give a damn about the world we live in. And I'm very lucky to be able to hear of some incredible career journeys over that time from some really inspiring people. So I am particularly energized by the projects that I hear people are experimenting and tinkering on along the way. And I thought, you know what, it's time to put these stories out there with the A Lot to Say podcast project. I can't wait for you to hopefully discover some new and lesser known stories about the things people get wrapped up in and what led them to this point. This is A Lot to Say. Hi, uh, welcome to my chat with Alan Jones, uh, the good one, um, here for A Lot to Say podcast. He's been a great promoter of the podcast, which I'm always, um, you know, hugely appreciative of <laughs> whenever anyone takes that effort, uh, whether they retweet it or, or like mentions of it on social media or whatever. Uh, and, and it's always noticed on my end, and it's a nice coincidence to have that support while also wanting um, a guest to appear on the podcast, which Alan has done so. So um, I'm really pleased we got to organize this. So Alan is a... Oh, he's regularly, I guess, an entrepreneur in residence. He's an investor, he's an entrepreneur, um, and a mentor to uh, hundreds of Australian startups over, over a long period of time. We touch upon his um, business partnership with Emily Rich um, called Mate Ventures, and that's one of the main things he does. But he, uh, we'll get to the point of it, but he uh, disperses himself across many accelerator programs and um, and mentorship initiatives throughout the uh, the technology ecosystem. Uh, this is the second live in-person interview I've done this year after the previously released one featuring uh, the street art collecting couple, Sandrew. Uh, I mentioned it to Alan, but I'd always envisioned doing the interviews for the podcast in person uh, until 2020 made that impossible, but then simultaneously sort of re- reduce some barriers in, you know, just simply getting started on the podcast project. Uh, so what did we talk about? We did that, you know, that whole thing I do, that rangy chat um, of uh, Alan's career journey and uh, and some interesting projects he's gotten himself um, involved in. But as well as that, we dive into what he's passionate about, you know, social justice issues, human connection uh, mentoring, budding entrepreneurs and talent from all walks of life. Uh, and of course, um, family, which was a, a really nice point to leave on. We did this interview in Melbourne where Alan had come down to visit right before there was a sudden uh, COVID outbreak in Greater Sydney, um, which is where Alan resides. So it's also an interesting perspective on, I guess, the time war that is 2020 to see how everything was relatively normal when we recorded and then a few days later it suddenly is not when we're releasing it so um an interesting um thing to play there so we mentioned a few way a few of the ways in which we got to know each other such as ellen appearing on some events of mine but we didn't get to cover so much more of ellen's backstory which happens when um you run a podcast which is soon find out but i hope you you'll appreciate a lot of what ellen has to say and a lot of what he gets involved in he's had a mini project this year called communities uh, where he's been producing ironic um, and pithy T-shirts and generating money for Asylum Seeker Resource Centre in the process, which is really cool. Uh, so you, oh, you can check out the show notes for that particular project, but um, I just wanted to highlight that. I think it's um, it's fascinating to see the things he gets wrapped up in his life. So for now, enough waffling on from me. Um, let's rock it into the chat with Alan Jones, the good one. Thanks for joining. Cheers. Well. 
Alan, Mate. thank you very much for uh, joining me on a lot to say podcast. This is um this is really cool because we get to be doing this live. Uh, hmm. I always envision this being live. Hmm. And then inevitably 2020's hit. I've done most of them virtually and now I've finally launched out into doing a couple in person. And uh, I'm stoked to have you involved. Thank you for being part of it. Mate, I'm so stoked to be back in, in Melbourne. It's been an entire year and so many good friends that I miss yeah. um, that I've been you know, trying to stay in touch with via the Zooms. But yeah. it's, it's just not the same, hey? So this is my Melbourne hug tour. Um, I'm coming down yeah, it is to Melbourne hug, hug friends that I really miss. It's, um, it's an... On top of the temperature being warm, it's an emotionally warm uh, visit yeah. for you as well. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's great to have you in town. And I'm particularly pleased that uh, you're part of the chat today. Um, you've uh, been a, a great supporter of the podcast, so I can't thank you enough for that. My uh, sharing out the word of um, people you've uh, been involved with along your journey, but then also by the same token, some others that you um, probably haven't been as exposed to. But I, I try not to be too mechanical in. Uh, Having, having the podcast and sort of preparing the guests. Uh, so I did wonder um, in terms of with this vague sweeping statement of a lot to say as part of the podcast project and dancing between sort of a tech and culture perspective, what, what did you sort of have in mind um, that you wanted to express in terms sure. of what you're passionate about before getting involved in this chat? What, what really interests me about um, a lot to say is, is that it is about whole of life about the the whole person that you interview what you try and find is 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 people interesting people with something to say hopefully more interesting and with more interesting things to say than me but (laughs) and that has been the case um all of the time but you know what some of the criticism i've had about myself in the past um has been around how um i bring i bring my whole self um to everything that I do, and and the whole me is is not just about um, tech, which which is something that, that that people know me for. But the whole me is is also engaged in, um, um, you know, the environment is engaged in politics, is engaged in societal change, is engaged in fashion and music and 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 sports and yeah. You know, and and so you know, you check my Twitter, you check my Instagram, you check my Facebook, it's sometimes even my LinkedIn. It's yeah. it's all about all of me because, like, I want people to understand who I am, what makes me tick. Because you know, the work that I do relies on relationships with people, and yeah. you can't have a relationship with a person that you only know in one dimension. So it's as simple as that. So that's why I'm so excited to be a fan of of the podcast. I think yeah. it's a tremendous series. I've, I've loved every single episode. Oh, thank you. I'm stoked to be here. You know, we've had you involved with, um, say, the Fuck Up Nights event in the past, and that was really, really fantastic talk. Not only the fact that you um, you shared a lot about your your past life that I had sort of no idea about. So many fuck ups. But, but you also <laughs> you brought some old friends um, along to to hear you speak as well. And so um, yeah. maybe I'll start on just that. How do you feel about speaking in the in a whether a public uh, forum or in a podcast context about uh, these particulars of your life, which I'm guessing a lot of people you might meet along the way are just definitely not exposed to because they're very much focused on what you're doing now and what you're promoting now. So how do you find sharing that? Um, it, it gets easier with time, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, a recurring theme in, in previous episodes for you has been um, uh, imposter syndrome, has, has been people yeah. struggling with, well, do I really know what I'm talking about and do I have any right to have an opinion yet in, in this area? And, yeah. and in reality, you know, the world teaches us eventually that, 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 um, 
the experts, you know, the, the people who are the authorities in an issue are really just usually the people who, who speak up and speak more frequently to a bigger audience than anybody else. And that's how America ended up with an idiot for a president, right? He just had more reach than anybody else. Yeah. And he didn't let the fact that he knew nothing about what he was talking about get in the way of his need to talk to people. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, I still struggle with imposter syndrome. We all do. But at some point in my journey, I realized that um, you have to... Uh, if, if you can be first to disclose your flaws and mistakes and failures, yeah. um, then you know you can't cut down a tall poppy if the tall poppy's already trimmed itself pretty significantly <laughs> around the edges. So, you know, I think probably in my early twenties I started doing that. I started going, yeah. you know, let me lead with my flaws, and then maybe if you see something that's good that I do, then you'll focus yeah. on that instead of the things that yeah, I failed yeah. to do around that. Um, so, fuck up night is is a is, is a really um, valuable, you know, it's, it's it's a global network. It's a very important thing, particularly to Australians, because we are terrified of of being that tall poppy. Yeah. And a fuck up night gives you a chance to to trim yourself around the edges and say, look, this is this is a real human that I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's all the mistakes that I made. Don't be afraid to try some things and make some mistakes yourself, because you can come back from from anything. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, so in your twenties, you sort of. Uh you were starting to, I guess, lead with um, your true self, I guess. Uh, so what type of, well, um, what kind of life were you leading then in terms of <laughs> Well, I certainly didn't know who my true self was. You know, yeah. my, my true self in the early days was a long way away. Um, I hadn't discovered that yet. But but yeah. what I was doing was I was I was mainly just exploring things that I had a little bit of a talent or a, or a knack for, you know. So um, I grew up as a kid um, in a very musical family and, and could pick up, you know, a few different instruments and, and make a sound that was not too displeasing. Yeah, great. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to be a rock star um, and, and <laughs> so I started playing at garage bands in high school and um, yeah. the height of my musical career was being in a band that, that supported the Angels um, at a gig oh, once no at a pub in Western yeah. Sydney. Um, so that, that was huge. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not a talented guitarist, and neither do I have anything to say to the to the music world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the other thing that I had a, ta- a knack or, or a skill for was was um, was writing. Um, so I did okay in English and general studies and history and subjects like that. Yeah. Um, and and my first exposure to what became the internet was um, message boards on bulletin board services where you would dial into a computer that sat in somebody's cupboard connected to the phone line. Um, and, and you had something that looked and worked a bit like a message board today. Um, but they right. were all private indi- individual things. So like you had to know the number of the, of the, of the computer that, that hosted the message boards that you were interested in. And then you had okay. to wait until that number was free <laughs> until you could connect to it and you could continue a conversation with somebody else. Right. But that, you know, I was about, 17 at the time and and the idea that because i could communicate fairly well in writing um i i could interact with people who were 20 30 years my my senior as a as a peer they had no idea i was a 17 year old yeah 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 because i could express myself um and and that gave me tremendous freedom you know i grew up in 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 a small part of the world um didn't have a big peer group didn't have a lot of friends who had the same interests as me and and so those early bulletin board services allowed me to kind of begin finding my tribe finding Mm. the people who who wanted to talk about the sorts of things that i wanted to talk about and that became later on what drew me to the internet and what, what drew me into into my career. It's it's my tribe, and here I am in Melbourne, you know. And tonight we were talking about meeting up with our tribe at, at the pub tonight, and we're of hoping course. maybe forty, fifty people get there, and it's going to be a nonstop hug fest for me. Oh yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, whether whether uh, from Melbourne or Sydney, etc., I think everyone's just absolutely stoked to uh, you know be converging and be together. Um, 
uh, even if you labelled it in some way as a, a work-related sort of context or career-related, um, I think there's enough friendships that have emanated uh, mm. within that group for it to be uh, mm. much more than simply work-speak. Mm. Um, so I tried music. Sorry, did to yeah, yeah, finish the, yeah. finish the answer. I tried music and failed, um, and soft failed, you know. But, but every, you know, 99% of people who try music fail. That's, that's ex- accepted. Not everybody's Madonna. And, 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 and I tried writing and kind of succeeded okay. So I did a couple of uh, internships with with um, newspapers, and uh, and I decided that eventually that that would be the, the career for me. Um, and how old were you around this time? Well, by that time, so I first tried to do a science degree um, and had to drop out of that, and then do a bunch of different dead end jobs yeah. for a couple of years before I, I I was so I was a mature age student when I went back to to do a communications degree. So right. um, I think I was I was nearly twenty six, I think. Uh, when I finally graduated from something and, and got a proper job as a as a reporter, um, right? Okay. And just kind of by accident, but you know, I was always a bit of a nerd. Um, started freelancing for computer magazines, and and eventually became a, a full time staff writer for for a publishing company that that was killed by the internet called called IDG. Um, okay. And uh, and kind of the. I guess the height of my career as a journalist was being the editor of Australian Macworld magazine. Um, <laughs> and you tell kids these, these days, you know, they don't understand. But, you know, before the internet, computer magazines were this hugely powerful marketing channel between yeah. people who wanted to buy things that were tech-related and, and the tech industry, which even back then was, was really, really big. Um, you know, we had no internet. So if you wanted to buy a laptop, the only way you could find out which laptop you should buy was to subscribe to a computer magazine. Yeah. You know, because if you only went and bought at the newsstand, you might miss the issue, the one issue that year that had the, the roundup of all the different laptops that are on the market right now. You know, like it's really hard to get your head around that, but but that was how the industry worked. And so, you know, as a young fellow in my in my 20s, I would get flown business class to, to Silicon Valley and, and like a limo would pick me up at the airport and I'd get a five-star <laughs> hotel and then I'd go and interview, you know, um, Larry Ellison or, or, or Bill Gates or, you know, leaders of, of, of the industry um, because you know they knew that you know all five million Australians who purchased technology would be would be reading my magazine when I got back and the other like there were there were 40 odd computer magazines published in Australia in the, in the 1980s and 1990s oh, it's really difficult to conceive of how big the industry was back then how did you feel walking into the um, a room a theoretical room to um, interview uh, respective uh, I guess <laughs> who would be coined luminaries of the sort yeah. of tech space but um were you uh was there still elements of uh, imposter syndrome were you relatively uh, because uh, by your nature you you um you do have a, a healthy degree of um you know self-deprecating <laughs> sort of like weird and charm about you etc so was it just an element of soaking in the experience and taking in your stride or, or very much um did you have elements of being paralyzed by fear what was it like for you um sort of venturing over and it's probably the same for you in the first few years of doing a podcast in sure. that you're a little bit terrified each time you go into it, but it becomes a bit addictive. You get to the end of it and you play it back and you go, actually, oh, I didn't suck as much as I thought I did. This is actually yeah, kind yeah. of usable. This is great. I want to do this again. So you do get a bit addicted to the to the rush of going, oh, shit, I'm going to interview Bill Gates. What am I going to ask him? Oh, that's it. Um, yeah. But one of the problems with journalism, I think, is that like you meet a lot of unhappy journalists once they've been in the career for a long while because the smart way to, to manage an interview with a journalist is to make the journalist feel really good about themselves. You know, and, and, and when I interviewed Bill Gates, he was great at this. He turned 
my interview with him into his interview with me. He started yeah. asking me yeah. about my opinions about Microsoft's strategy in all these different areas. Um, and, and, and so I came away from that interview feeling you know, like a legend, like yeah, Bill yeah, Gates yeah. cared about my opinion about things. <laughs> um, and, and, and I had forgotten all the really difficult questions I was going to ask him. You know? So we went from adversarial to quite you know, Very disarming. friendly. Yeah, disarming, totally. The other thing he could do was he could read and speed read a name tag. Because that day he would have, you know, it was a press day for him. He would have probably spoken to fifty journalists in the course of a day. Yeah. Um, and and he, he somebody had warned me about this, but he, he so I observed him do it with me. But otherwise, it would have been too fast for me to see. He could flick down, read your name tag, and say, "Hi, Gaz, how are you going?" Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and you go, "Whoa, Bill Gates knows my name." <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to start an interview. So anyway, as, as a journalist, like you, you're mingling with these people, and you you start to believe that your opinion matters to them, and yet they're making. $10 million a year and you're still making, you know, $65,000 as a, as a penniless reporter. And yeah, yeah. like that, you know, you get invited to their Christmas parties and you go out on their boats and, and you meet their friends and you feel like you're part of that group, but you're the only one who's struggling to try and find a, a shirt that you could wear, you know, to the next party, right? Yeah, I see. And so I think that builds a lot of bitterness in, in people who are in journalism for a long while. You know, they mix with the rich and famous, but they are not of the rich and famous. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long do you think it takes for, you know, that, that penny to drop or, or um, for you to almost like flip the, uh, <laughs> flip, flip the, uh, the line, so to speak, and start to um, take on that sort of, I guess, those jaded thoughts? Because obviously it sounds like um, a mix of exhilaration and, and excitement at the start, but then obviously then after a little while, then it starts to become, um, yeah, the mind starts ticking about what what should be um, in your I think, life. Yeah, I think journalists of character after a time come to a point where they realise that that you know even though they're not really mixing with that coterie of rich and famous, they they play an essential role in society to help us understand what's really going on behind the smoke and mirrors. Um, and 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 the great journalists of the world reconcile themselves with that fact. Look, I'm I'm never going to be one of them. Yeah. My role is 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 to bring them back down to earth and to make sense of it all for for the rest of the world. Um, and then there are the other journalists of poor character like me who go, <laughs> there's not enough money in journalism and going into media relations. Um, so, yeah. so I did that for a while. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. It was the 80s, you know, wealth was everything back then. Yeah. Um, so I tried that for a while um, and, and, you know. And what was that specifically, uh, media relations? What would that be as a, as a role? Well, I was I worked for a big international PR consultancy called Hill and Knowlton for a while. I worked for a big Australian media relations company that specialised in tech called Blackie McDonald for a while. Okay. Um, and and then got too big for my boots and decided I'd step out um, for myself. Um, and and uh, the <laughs> it was a very very weird one year where I like I picked up three four clients um, me and one employee working out of out of a um, a shared desk in the corner of a client's office um, okay. and, and then I got an opportunity um, too big to refuse and and handed the agency over to my one employee Jody Lennon who um, who took up the challenge she'd only been with me for like a couple of months um, and I said I've got this amazing <laughs> opportunity I have to go pers- go pursue it would yeah. you like all the clients you know and 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 be a business owner for yourself um, and uh, and she um, you know retired um, I think about five years ago now but, yeah, but she ran that agency and she built that agency and built it into one of Australia's biggest media relations firms which I would have never done yeah um, so full credit to, to Jody she's out there somewhere and she's an amazing human Oh, incredible! Um, that's and how uh, I, I might ask you just about how how did that go when you transitioned out? Did you ret- um, 
I guess, remain with sort of uh, advising and uh, guiding? Or did no, you, was no it, I was far was too busy with a new opportunity. Separation. Yeah, I was, well, you know, she was a little bit, she was very scared. And, and also, like, no, I had nothing to offer her. You know, like I had never, yeah. I hadn't, this was my first business and I just walked away from it. So, you know, I had no wisdom, no advice to share with her. <laughs> she was going to have to figure it out for herself. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this, this, this huge opportunity came on that I had to pursue and, and that was basically the internet. So for a while, as a bit of a side gig, as a volunteer thing, um, I'd been involved um, with um, Jeremy Horry and Darren Edwards, um, who were the, who were the two co-founders of, of, a, of a sort of contract medium media publishing company called Tech Talk. Okay, and they had picked up some some online work work for what eventually became, in the fullness of time, MSN Australia and then Nine MSN. Um, but back in those days, um, it was called Telstra Big Pond, I think, or, or, or yeah. But it was kind of a bit of a small experimental project between Microsoft and Telstra in Australia, and, and they wanted to put something up on this new internet thing and and see what people <laughs> thought of it. And so they contracted Tech Talk, and, and and Tech Talk got me involved as as another producer on a range of different sort of content and entertainment things on the internet. And, okay. and I think the biggest thing that we did was this crazy, crazy, crazy um, online chat show um, every Sunday night at eight pm. And um, and it was crazy um, because we had like a you know a live simultaneous online audience of a few thousand people back wow. in the day when there were really probably only a few thousand people. So it was, it was almost like you know like eighty percent of the people on the internet on a Saturday night in Australia tuned into this online chat show, right? Yeah, now. yeah. And we had guests like um, we had Malcolm Turnbull and we had Andrew Denton. We had um, uh, Mental as Anything. We had sports stars. Um, we had everything. On, you know, we had some big names. So it really did traverse far further than just uh, a tech. Uh, Technology. It was nothing about tech. It yeah. was. It was really. It, it was. Lifestyle, it was like uh, a television yeah, interview okay. show, right? But the weirdest thing, single weirdest thing about it was, it was all text. It was all text. It was what? Sorry. It was all text. Everything was typed. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't see anything. You couldn't hear anything because the internet couldn't carry audio at that time, and it couldn't carry video at that time, and yeah, so right. and so you would you would tune into a chat room. You would join a chat room. Um, along with the rest of the audience and and from your chat room you could see the other chat room which had me and Darren and our and our guest or guests yeah and uh and so we would conduct an interview like the one you and I are having with somebody but all in text so Darren and I would have our questions all all pre-typed up and yep. we would copy and paste them you know in an early version of windows from 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 a word document into into this chat room here's here's the question first question for our guest right and then the the next funny thing is that most um, Australians at that time couldn't type. Like unless you were a police officer or a journalist or a secretary, because there were still secretaries. Yeah. Nobody nobody knew how to type. Those were the three professions where people could type at any sort of decent speed. Wow. And so we would have a production assistant or one of us actually read out the question to the guest. The guest would answer the question. And we would type it in as best as we can and hit send, right? And then there's like 5,000 people watching and listening, right? And so then they could ask a question. Audiences, the audience could ask questions in their chat room and we would follow what was going on in their chat room. Yeah. And when we saw an interesting question, we would, we would copy and paste that out and then we'd add that to our queue of questions to ask our guest. And then we had giveaways we had competitions we had you know interaction with the audience you know we'd bring a one guest in to talk to to the celeb um and it would go for a full hour every sunday night um, it was amazing I, I would i would love to bring it back i would love to bring it back it sounds like um some sort of uh 
uh, primitive remix version of Slack, you know, but uh, <laughs> minus minus gifs and memes or something or other. But it was a bit like rapping with someone, you know, because Darren, like we would do jokes and things that we'd scripted earlier on, right? Yeah. So I would have yeah. my half of the joke and my word doc and Darren would have <laughs> his half, you know, and he'd, we'd yeah. be copying and pasting, trying to do it as fast as we could. So yeah, that, yeah. that it had like that rhythm to it, you know, that you need in comedy. Um, it was hilarious fun. We would be killing ourselves. And, and some of our guests, I remember Greedy Smith from Mental As Anything, he was there for an hour and he was just towards the end of the thing starting to grasp the idea that the audience was all on these computers. And he kept walking around the office that we were in going like, I, I, don't, know, I, don't, I don't really understand what's going on. <laughs> it was a lovely, lovely man. But like, yeah, I remember him looking down on the screen and going, is that them? Is that the audience? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we've got about three minutes left, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, maybe some funny parallels with uh, what's eventuated this year with the number of people um, uh, utilizing technology, uh, you know, your Zooms, totally. etc., that, that they haven't been exposed to before and almost totally. being forced into it to um The street finds its own there. uses for things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so George Miller and I, so George um, is, is the awesome um, uh, operations um, head at uh, Remarkable, one of the accelerators I work with. Yeah, yeah. And he and I put together this... Um, um, uh, trivia night, remarkable trivia night on, on Zoom for, for our, our, our startup founders who ordinarily we'd be working with in a physical space and getting to know and going out for coffee together and building friendships and, and we had to get them to know each other a bit and get to know it, us a bit so we put them all on teams and we ran this fantastically complicated um, you know, big trivia night with, with cash prizes and, yeah. Yeah. You know, and we dressed up, we had custom backgrounds going, we did our research and clock was ticking and and it was it was absolutely brilliant fun um we made heaps of mistakes but but you know, the point is everybody's trying to do something new for the first time right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so if you've joined a house party this year or you know if you've been in something like that on a zoom like you are there at, at the beginning of something like not all of those experiments will turn into a thing yeah but some of those experiments will be like mainstream in in 10 years time you know yeah, wait around certainly. like twitch twitch was you know like a niche crazy thing that mm. parents and didn't understand right and certainly gamer specific um what once has sort of reached a level of maturity but um even that's progressing past at the i remember uh at the beginning of lockdown some particular uh bands were you know their, their touring cycles were immediately put to a, to a halt so um what they do they launched out these like really curated musical experiences and stream them via street mm. uh stream them via twitch got tongue-tied there but mm. um it was fantastic to see almost the platform get remixed like again and sort of evolve and evolve through mm. um necessity due to this year and we'll see what uh, eventuates in the next five to ten years totally totally <laughs> there's, there's there's an australian ben kieran who who started out um co-founder of, of a startup called caffeine caffeine.tv yep. um and it started out as a essentially as a as a twitch competitor and it has a huge booming um audience in in rap battle um uh broadcasts amazing and i've never really you know like i, I saw the movie um <laughs> with, with the with the rap battle guy in it what's his name um, eight, slim shady eight mile? Yeah. Yeah, yeah eight mile yeah i'm showing showing my age now right yeah 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 i saw it i enjoyed it but you know i thought okay well that's a niche thing that'll never be big but but like caffeine tv is just broadcasting to millions of people these these rap battles all around yeah. the world um and they're incredibly produced they're really really high quality productions and so you know that's an example of a thing which is like you just need the right connection of you know what's 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 the experience what's who's producing it what's our distribution channel how do we find an audience and then how do we monetize it you know and and sometimes you can plan that stack out um in advance and get it right first time but most yeah. often 
you're swapping and changing all the blocks in that stack of things. You know, that distribution channel didn't work, let's try another. That marketing medium didn't work, let's try another. That that format for what we're trying to, how we're trying to reach an audience isn't, isn't working. You know? Yeah, no, that's really interesting because I've uh, I've definitely also noticed, and maybe it's been more heightened uh, this year, taking more note of it. But um, a platforms like you've you know you've got your Slack to engage, but it, it certainly doesn't um, then own uh, a full monopoly across the market. Um, other groups are using Discord because they have a preference for it and they prefer that type of um, element. Um, some other examples uh, coming to mind, but uh, you know, YouTube live versus Twitch streaming, like, you know, there's specifics yeah. in sort of the platforms that people like. And one particular one I took notice of was uh, obviously Spotify is um, relatively ubiquitous um, and, you know, very easy to stream artists, but then, uh, you know, there's been this underswell of um, artist recognition and support and, um, you know, mm. cultural support because that the culture and creative sector is obviously, obviously taken a monstrous hit. And so um, there's been almost this, uh, emotional support for Bandcamp um, rising throughout the year, which I've really loved seeing and more and more artists on there. And Bandcamp, by the same token, doing a monthly Bandcamp Friday where they allocate um, funds to the artists wholeheartedly. Mm. Mm. So prompting people to buy um, based on, you know, the love they have for those artists. So um, I don't quite know the point I was making, but I think it's really interesting to see uh, how people's uh, emotional state and what they place value in will gravitate them towards a particular platform i think the point you were making is, is there's a right time and a right place for most things yeah um, but some you know, most of the time you find yourself in the right time and the right place like yeah. you, you don't strategize your way to there um you you know slack itself you know mentioned slack a second ago you know that's mm. a classic case it was a it was an internal communications tool for a startup that was building a game you know, and 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 they started letting other people use this internal communications tool, and just kind yeah. of took off, and that became the business that was sold for what twenty nine billion dollars US. Oh, Nothing. thing. So just, uh, but, Salesforce. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's not really about the money. It's about how well it is, obviously, but but it's also about how Slack has enabled and changed um, communities and 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 teams. You know, the way that they work, but also the way that they interact. You know, Discord as well. You know, these are things that have radically changed. The way we interact, you know, yeah, you, you yeah. used to have to, you know, hold a meeting and, and put something in everybody's calendar and bring them in, book a meeting room and bring them together. And now, you know, and nothing, well, people would work in between those meetings, but but how we collaborated and sorted out which way we were going to go at a fork in the road was you waited until the meeting and you brought your argument to the meeting. Now, now the discussion is... Ongoing twenty four seven, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it is most unfortunate a lot of the time. I do need to tune out. Um, Hello to all those people out there waiting for me to respond to this yeah, like message. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do remember one one point you made um, just before, and I might might just touch on a little bit. You were remarking, I think you were talking about when you were seventeen, and you didn't quite have. Um, I think you said a, a peer network around you, mm. so it sort of it meant that you. Uh, Veered off in these curious or investigative ways. You were talking about the um, uh, using the what was it the message board um, sort of wireframes, and you were going on that. The reason I thought about it, I've I've been having a couple of conversations uh, with people both for the podcast and separately, and it's um it's interesting to sort of uh, think about what what sort of influences people. My brother's just returned from being in London for five or six years back in Melbourne, and uh, he had a large peer group of friends who all went over to London and lived over there. Mm. And it's one of my big regrets in sort of not doing that post-school, but I didn't have a large group of friends who did that. A lot of them were happy to sort of settle down in Melbourne. And so it's interesting that if you have a a large group sort of dictating or influencing your direction that you 
almost follow in that direction unless you're the one leading it. But yeah. you, you've you sort of remarked that you sort of didn't have that peer network, so you've almost sort of veered off in your own way hmm. almost continuously and then jumping into um, your passions or what you're most curious about. Yeah. Have you thought about that a lot? Because I know you're working with a lot of teams and you would see a lot of people who are following their own North Star, so hmm. to speak. So hmm. is that part of the influencing factor for you um, really diving into mentoring teams lately yeah yeah um that i do talk about that um because establishing culture you know early in, in an organization is is important and, yeah. and and you know the natural assumption is just to you know reach out to those friends that you have who are just like you um who maybe have a bit of a skill um that could contribute to to what you're working on yeah. um and and once you establish that little monoculture, um, it can be very hard to, to break that up later. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you've got a business that's employing your three best mates, you know, the problem is that when that is a 3,000-person company, you won't, be able, you won't be able to find any more people who are exactly like your three best mates. Mm. You know? yep. And then the cultural divisions start to grow or you start to have problems just recruiting anybody because the people that you interview come in, look around, see the kind of people who work there and go, well, there's, there's no place for me. I don't see people like me here you know yeah, and that yeah. might be gender it could be age it could be ethnicity it could be subculture variety of different ways and, and so the only way really to hack that is, is, to, is to start early and one of the benefits of of, of um of being a, a mature age um startup person now um is that my generation's on facebook right <laughs> yeah um and the people the only people who are close to who i was close to when when i was in high school let me go through them like uh, one's a police chief, uh, one's a, um, uh, uh, a a landscape photographer who specializes in, in Tibet and, and um, uh, Himalayas. Um, right? um, <laughs> another one manages um, one of the biggest hotels in Shanghai. Um, you know, and so we have all gone off and done vastly, vastly different things. And we used to imagine that, that we were identical. You know, yeah, I've, I've got a friend that I work with at Yahoo who's now a playwright and, and, and another one who um, runs a you know a huge business in, in setting up um, um, server farms around the world. Wow. And, you know, another one who's a lawyer and another one worked for Obama. And, you know, you know I, I last worked with them in the early 2000s, you know. So every time you think like, you know, this is my posse, this is my tribe, you know, we're never going to change, we're going to take on the world together, you know, that's, that's, not, that's an illusion or if, or if it does happen, you're forcing it, you know, yeah. and so embrace diversity early on and, and try and think about how do I make my startup a place where everybody can feel like their unique yeah. weirdness is, is welcome and celebrated from the beginning, you know, and so I've seen a few ways to do that really well and one thing that's really good, we used to do it back at Blue Chili in the day, um, my my nineteen year old son Alec is now working for a digital agency called Digivisor in Sydney, and and they do it now. Um, they they have uh, what they do is, is is they have like staff volunteer to do a short five minute talk on something that they're passionate about. You know, usually on a on a Friday afternoon, so around Friday drinks kind of kind of deal. Um, and then you start to learn about people's passion for you know um, American style barbecue, you know smoked smoked <laughs> meats, or um, yeah. you know a particular place that they travel to, or a thing that they learned you know studying at general assembly or something you know yeah and it's those extra dimensions to somebody that 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 make everybody feel like you know well you know my my home knitting uh passion is something that that you know is yeah. not going to get me laughed out of the office you know 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yet we have seen. I mean, there's a there's a whole raft of uh, things to cover. I mean, you've been involved with uh, everything from Startmate Accelerator program through to uh, Remarkable. You've uh, been involved with the uh, the Monash Generator um, mm. program recently, and then um, your venture Mate Ventures uh, as well. Like, so there's quite a number of things that you sort of dip into. How do you find sort of uh, and I should say a lot of these can feel somewhat concurrent um, or mm. overlapping at, at mm. the very least. Do you feel that you uh, you take on different personas um, to a degree when you sort of move and flit or do you feel that um, these are all relatively aligned but you're speaking to different audiences? I used to. I used to bring a different persona to everything that yeah, I did. Okay. You know, and particularly, you know, way, way back, you know, as a journalist, um, in media relations and early in startup days, you know, I would literally change, change my wardrobe um, yeah. To, to, to be the person that I thought that the person I was meeting needed to see, you know. Yeah. Um, but I remember I, I did a, a talk at Australia-Israel Chamber of Commerce thing um, a couple of years ago. Um, and I freaked out, you know, it was a, a big city boardroom hotel with people paying, you know, a lot of money to sit at, at, at lunch and hear from some speakers. And I thought, hmm, maybe, you know, I should actually buy a shirt and a tie, you know, with a collar and <laughs> maybe I should do that. And, and, and the, the thought of my startup friends seeing me in that get up basically um, and the expense made me not do it um so i went along very uncomfortable in my regular jeans and t-shirt um and hoodie um and stopped in front of the room and the next speaker was was like the um ceo of anz at the time um and and he stood up and, and made a crack about oh i'm dressing casual today too and he like unbuttoned his <laughs> unbuttoned his shirt collar and let his tie down a bit yeah, um yeah. and that was when i first started to feel like okay like maybe if i'm just you know, me all the time, then that can be my brand and, and away I go, you know. So the, really the, the main thing that changes about my brand is is like what's printed on my T-shirt today um, and and whether or not I have a hoodie or not, yeah. um, you know, and sunglasses or reading glasses. Um, and that's such a great relief. Just yeah, yeah. be able to be yourself and, and hope that people will, will get along with who you really are. Yeah. And look, I, I, I might have um, missed misspoke before just slightly in terms of categorizing but i've said audiences but you're you're meeting um a lot of emerging sort of startup founders and and uh project creators etc so tell us about the people that you're interacting with um daily as part of these different accelerator programs scale-up programs or even um uh in in an advisory or mentor context an accelerator program is a thing that i wish that i'd had when i was a startup founder yeah um because it's just such a you know, it's it does what it says on the box. It, it accelerates the the outcomes of of the the idea stage or the prototype stage startup that you have. So there are now accelerator programs that that, that do fashion accelerator programs for music, um, but it kind of started in in tech with Y Combinator and in in uh, San Francisco, and um, and I'm still involved mostly with with tech accelerator programs, but. We all need external validation from somebody with a more knowledgeable opinion, with more experience than our mum and our best mate. Of course. You know? Um, and it yeah. feels good to have, have that from your mum and your best mate, but it doesn't quite get you across the line. Um, but when somebody who, who you know appears to know what they're talking about goes, that's an interesting idea, you should move forward with that, and here's a, another person that could help, um, and here's a thing that you could apply for. And here's a strategy that you could use to change something which is broken right now in the business. Yeah, um, that just shortcuts, you know, what might be a twelve month or eighteen month process to arrive at, at that same point. Um, but but more importantly, when we save people time, we save them money. You know, because everybody's taking time out of a, a proper job, quote unquote proper job, yep. to pursue their startup dream. Um, so the sooner we help them establish whether or not that's going to work or not, um, we're, we're we're saving them 
time and money and allows them to go back, recharge, top up the, the savings account by taking a proper job for a while again and then come out with, with what they've learned from that and have another go. So I, I wish that I'd had that. You know, Probably nine out of ten of my startup ideas were, were, were stillborn. You know, never made it out of the blocks or yeah, only yeah. slightly out of the blocks. Um, and, 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 you know, really all I needed when I look back on that, you know, to some extent, many of them were wrong place, wrong time. Um, but, but more than that, I just, I, I lacked, you know, I, I didn't know how to progress forward. I didn't know how to solve any of the problems that I had. And there were people who could help me solve that. I just didn't know who they were and how to find them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, accelerator programs in tech are mostly around how do we, how do we create a company which is, which is venture backable? Because in Silicon Valley, that's that's the traditional path to to building a twenty nine billion dollar company. Is you get you get investors and VCs involved early on. But accelerator programs don't necessarily have to be about you know how do we create maximum wealth for investors. They can also be about how do we help people create um, a viable, successful, long lasting business that employs people. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite example of that is is the the Catalyzer Micropreneur Accelerator Program, um, which is now running um, in in Sydney and Melbourne and and uh, has done one cohort in New Zealand and and we hope to announce further international expansion uh, earlier this year right so I was, I'm, I'm, I'm the chair of Catalyzer we just had our, our our December board meeting the other day um, and we find ourselves in, a, in, in an extraordinary position of being um, despite lockdown and the pandemic um, we've never been more um, financially stable um, and we've never had more runway than we have yeah. right now yeah. um, but but that that is a case of, of, of a program where um, we take the 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 entrepreneurial talent in, in migrants and refugees um, that would otherwise be lost because those people are, are marginalized due to, you know, unconscious biases mostly that most of us have. I of mean, course. there are some conscious biases. Some people are just yeah. racist or sexist or ageist. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we work, we work with people that used to be naval architects in Egypt. We work with people that used to be, you know, PhDs in, in microbiology in, 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 in you know, um, uh, um, uh, Iran, right? And, and, of course. And, 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 you know, they spend a bit of time here and they realize that they're never going to be able to continue that profession here. So mm-hmm. what, are they going to stock shelves in a super supermarket and they're going to drive an, an UberX yeah. put their kids through school yeah they probably will most of them but some of them might be able to work with the skills and talents that they have and help them create a business that that can grow and and maybe it won't be growing 400x per year like a successful tech startup might be yeah. but maybe you'll end up employing 50 Australians you know absolutely and I, I think if, if, if we take you know a um, several cohorts of successful, um, viable, long-lasting Australian companies that employ other Australians to back to the rest of Australia with those unconscious biases and, in some cases, those conscious biases. We can say, you know what, migration is, is the engine that powers the Australian economy. It always has been. Yep. You know, And we've got to stop being afraid of, of the rest of the world. Um, and we've got to stop allowing people in but then giving them no help to get started. Yeah, certainly. You know? Yeah. That's a yeah, that's a fantastic sentiment. I did um, have the pleasure of getting to know Usman um, uh, recently as part of the uh, the Wade Institute VC Catalyst program. So heard a lot of his thoughts and what he was passionate about. So um, and I think he's just started on um, I think with Startmate, who yes. you're involved with in the First Believers program. Yeah, yeah. Possibly Etree as well. I yeah. can't can't remember explicitly, but um, he conveyed the similar passion uh, from a different perspective, and um, it's really heartening and, and a great glimpse into. Um, you know, what might eventuate in the near future. I think I would love to sort of ask you rather than what um, accelerator programs do well, and this is not a 
blanket statement across all accelerators, but what do they need more of um, accelerator programs at large if they're sort of helping to build these uh, ventures that may or may not be VC backable? But um, but apart from surrounding people with great mentors and um, potential funding opportunities, what do they need more of that um, from your experience? Um, so many things. So a lot depends upon um, you know the industry or the community that they serve. You know, so there are now accelerator programs in, in regional Australia, for instance. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of capital, a lot of experience, and and a lot of customers locked up in in regional Australia um, that that need to learn. Um, to, to trust accelerator programs as, as a way to to bec- to create a, an economic engine of growth in, in regional Australia, um, so there are a number of, of great programs down here in in excuse me in, in Victoria, um, and and we should see um, more of that in, in the years to come. Um, that needs um, federal government support, state government support in terms of you know how do we provide these and, and local government support um, in terms of how do we provide a physical space an affordable physical space which is flexible enough to bring people together to to collaborate yeah. to work as a team um, and and you know there's a lot of capital locked up in in people who who who've um, you know fundamentally own big agricultural businesses okay. um, that that you know have have been taking you know nice profits in in the boom years out of Australia's regional economies yeah um, and and how do they put that back well you know they're paying a guy to come in and build a bigger pool and another tennis court right <laughs> I, would, I would love to see some of that capital put into angel networks that 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 back new business ideas and, and startups in, in regional okay. Australia and that's not hard you know that's not hard at all I've gone out and, and spoken in, in regional centers about how to do that that's that's a year you know that's five or ten people put in a hundred grand each you know it's less than a tractor you know, mm. it's it's one fifth of a tractor. Mm. You know, um, yeah. the, this this can be a thing that that delivers an investment return for those original angel investors, um, but also a thing that can create jobs um, and 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 growth um, and new export businesses um, from anywhere in Australia, particularly yeah. when it comes to the digital economy, right? Because the digital economy is is, is global. You know, one of our biggest um, tech startups ever, a safety culture, you know, was founded in in Townsville. You know, still creates huge economic value for for the community of Townsville. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's about as regional as it gets. Right? Um, we can do that in all of Australia's regional centres. You know, let's create more safety cultures. Like when somebody's writing code, that can be shipped in an app store. It can land for somebody to buy on their phone anywhere in the world. You know. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. And and you know there are no barriers to that. We don't have to send people out on 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 trade tours that they can no longer afford to to attend. You know. We don't <laughs> need to have you know government ministers doing announcements. Right. We just we just need okay. Here's like a hundred grand. Let's get some software engineers. Um, let's get some marketers. Let's some some growth people, some operations people, and and, and an idea, and let's go. I, I, I um yeah no I do appreciate it, obviously to um to hear from you, uh, expressing you know exactly what's needed, and obviously um uh, government assistance would would come to the fore quite regularly. I had asked uh one of your um your friends uh, Nick Crocker in one of the earliest episodes of a lot to say um and I, I posed it as a, not a challenging statement but to to somehow um. Uh, articulate something that I've I've just been thinking about and it's expressed in different ways. And so it's around about um, how if we were just to say Australian um, 
ventures, startups, companies, tech companies emerging or nascent, um, utilizing nascent technology and whether they aim high enough. Um, and so I think the terminology I used was something along the lines of, you know, um, uh, can Australian startups uh, sometimes think a bit a bit too homogeneously um, because as opposed to that, there's the other end of the spectrum, which is that growth at all costs um, sort of mindset, which has emanated from Silicon Valley, um, if you were to sort of tag it with it. Hmm. So how do you feel about that in terms of from a local perspective, no matter the industry, do um, do people within Australia with these ventures aim high enough, you think, with um, new and exciting opportunities? I do think it's changing um, with each passing generation because Australians are starting to think about, you know, I, I am I'm participating in a global economy, you know. And, and so, you know, in the fast few years, you know, unfortunately it was mostly driven by, by negative things like fast fashion. But we did, you know, start to learn about, you know, how we can get stuff made as a nation in China, you know, without being um, BHP, you know. So yeah, a couple yeah, of friends yeah. and I can go and get some some you know, some, some, some products knocked up in a factory in China and, and um, get that drop ship from Amazon, set ourselves up with a Shopify store and, and uh, advertise on Instagram and, yeah. and, and we can all leave our, our, our day jobs. Um, you know, so that's not, you know, huge economic value, but it does start to make Australians think about, you know, why am I, you know, yes, I want to have a market stall at, at, at say, I don't know, markets in Richmond on, on, on a weekend. Like, that's my tribe. That's where I get to meet my customers in person. Yeah. But um, but I can also you know through informing that tribe I can find that tribe in, in other countries around the world and mm. I can ship it to Mexico I can ship it to to- Tokyo I can ship it to Finland you know yeah yeah of course um, so tell me um, briefly about uh, Mate Ventures you started this with um, Emily Rich uh, what was the yeah. what was the the thought process behind um, putting that out there or the particular needs that you um you both saw. Um, to to put that out, out there into the world, and then we'll talk a little bit about your um, sort of investment um, journey thus far. Yeah, I guess Emily and I um, were, were both scruffy nerds. We yep. met on a yeah. um, on a on a venture down under tour organised by um, um, the guys at Innovation Bay, um, yep. where they took a bunch of Australian investors over to New Zealand to introduce them to a bunch of of New Zealand startups. Um, it was a great trip. It, it's happened um, every year since, except for this year, obviously. Um, it'll be back on again next year. And I guess um, Emily and I bonded uh, because we're both scruffy nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's a, a very talented um, software engineer and, uh, and I'm an ex-product manager. Yeah. And, um, and, and we both kind of aspired to be more than just, oh, I don't want to talk angel investing down, but... Um, Angel investing is relatively easy, and the next step up from, from angel investing is, is is investing other people's money um, mm-hmm. as, as as a fund manager in venture. Um, and so I think that was in, in the back of both of our minds. And so we looked at a few angel investment opportunities together, and it had a nice sort of complementary overlap between her way of looking at it and an opportunity, and my way of looking at it. Um, and um, and you know I had seen. Um, a bunch of other peers and friends go on from successful angel investing to, to raising a fund and, and I thought, well, like in the in the time remaining to me on this earth, you know, maybe that should be <laughs> one of the next challenges that I take on. Um, yeah. And Emily was crazy enough to come along. Um, um, no, em- Emily actually um, has, has been more than 70% of getting MA Adventures up and along. She didn't come along. Uh, yeah, she she pushed me hard, um, and and set a lot of the agenda um, and created a lot of the ideas. Um, the, the what we have in mind is 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 that there's a tier of venture capital in in 
in Silicon Valley. I'm, I'm sorry for any, anybody who doesn't work in tech and finds this boring, but there's a very early stage of capital, which is mostly managed by people who are, who are operators, who've come straight out of startups and sure. you get a small amount of capital to work with and see how you go at picking the right deals. And that kind of feeds into later stage, so like Series A stage kind of venture capital. And there's a little bit of yeah. overlap, but it's kind of like a, like a screening process. It sits in between accelerator programs and, and venture funds. That emerging fund manager thing is a layer in, in, in most other bigger um, tech markets around the world, and it doesn't yet really exist in Australia. It's just starting to get going now. Okay. Um, and and uh, and so we want we want to slot into that space. Um, in the early stages of a, of a tech company, there isn't very much. There's the people, um, and and their ability to to build a technology product. Um, and the challenge for most. VC investors is that they don't come from tech. They don't have any hands-on skill. They can't build product themselves. Um, and so they're limited in, in their ability to do due diligence on the actual team building the product. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's an, that's our sweet spot. That's where we love to play. We love yeah. to hang out with the product team, um, with the engineering team, and, and, and decide for ourselves whether or not, whether or not we think they have a, a decent chance at, at making something big. Um, and so... We went out um, and, and spent a bit of time raising. We were fortunate enough to, to get to a few million dollars in, in commitments from mostly from from other scruffy tech nerd angel yep. investors who used to be tech startup founders, okay. um, which feels really really good. Um, but w- we set out to to raise an ESV CLP fund, um, an early stage venture capital limited partnership. Um, and if you set up an ESV CLP, then one of the few ways that the federal government supports our tech industry is is, is you get some capital gains tax write offs if you get to an ESV CLP. LP stage, so that's what we're aiming for. We didn't get there before before lockdown happened, yep. um, and so we decided to to put it into hibernation until we had really a chance to understand how pandemic was going to change the global economy over the next five years. Um, because the first time fund manager doesn't get a second chance. If your first fund doesn't outperform the rest of the market, nobody's yep. going to back your second fund, right? And so I say. we didn't want to launch a fund in a time of great uncertainty. Like investing in startups in a predictable economy is challenging enough. Yeah, yeah. Doing yeah. it in yeah, yeah, an yeah, economy yeah. where the yeah, world's exactly. on fire, you know, I thought that was a little bit too much of a challenge. And, and I wouldn't be able to point to the pandemic and say, well, it was the pandemic's fault, you know? Of course. So that's been in hibernation while, while we all go and do our day jobs, or in my case, you know, lots of different little day jobs. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and we're hoping to get back to it um, in 2021. Um, yeah. We have um, uh, uh, a new partnership structure to, to announce when we do that. That'll include uh, one or two other really interesting, exciting people um, who likewise in different ways are also, you know, a little bit on the margins of, of venture capital who don't quite fit the, yeah. you know, MBA, Morgan Stanley, um, went to the right school, know the right people sort of, sort of background that most of them have. Um, and you know, so it remains to be seen whether we'll, we'll, we'll really you know find an audience in in investors. Um, but we get you know we get approached all the time by by startup founders that, that we wish that we could back. Yeah, um, I, can, I see. So one of the one of the challenges in venture capital is, is raising money from investors to invest in startups. The other probably much much bigger challenge in, in the long term is quality deal flow. You know, sufficient volume of quality deal flow to be able to make successful investments you have to have a lot of coffees with a lot of startup founders yeah. um, and just by dint of, of our roles in the ecosystem that's that's never been a problem um, we, we see great 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 companies in accelerator programs outside of accelerator programs all, all of the time so you know, hopefully, um, you know, next year is going to be a much better year for the world in general. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and and we'll be out there, hopefully, um, thriving alongside with that. So you stay tuned for for further announcements in, in a couple of months. And on that la- uh, last point, yeah, a, a network um, 
it really only matters if you do something with it, right? Like if you if you're able to, totally. It's it's fantastic to gather thousands of LinkedIn connections or uh, Twitter followers or, or whatever. But it's it'd be nice to sort of um, influence, I guess, um, to make sure that things eventuate from uh, the interactions and especially the the uh, the really exciting ones with people that um, are doing some some groundbreaking things or things that you believe in. Look, if if you can't write a check, you, you, um, you know you're pretend, pretending to be something that you aren't, right? Yeah. So you can give people advice, and that's all nice. And for the price of a coffee, that's 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 not a bad thing, right? Yeah, and yeah. if you have to give up a little, you know, a small percentage stake of your company to get into an accelerator program to have more than just a coffee with me, um, that's 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 that, that's okay too, right? Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, unless I'm able to. You know, I, I think I've made um, three investments um, in, in 2020, yep. and that's 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 appalling. You know, <laughs> sufficient capital, sufficient capital could have done ten easy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see. But you know, today, you know, yesterday we saw Tractor Ventures launch. Um, today we've seen the Moonshot Accelerator launch, um, focusing space. on on space industries in Australia. I, you know, I'm really, really bullish about about next year. We're coming out of the pandemic um, fast. Uh, in Australia, incredible. Yeah, I, it is. Um, it, it is a nice, exciting way to end the year. Let alone having a um, uh, an in person catch up with uh, people shortly. Um, yeah. yeah. So as we get to the end of the chat, uh, I'd love to ask you a um, a bit of a personal question, um, but more in relation to, I guess, uh, a working relationship, etc. So you mentioned again launching into uh, Mate Ventures with Emily. Um, does it does it get lonely for you? Um, in sort of you you sort of have jumped around the accelerator programs, and while you uh, surround yourself with people um, continuously in sort of a maybe a mentor capacity or ma- maybe a, an ongoing exchange capacity. It might, um, if I was to look in, I'd say, oh, that might be sort of fleeting interactions potentially, and you will gather friendships along the way. But um, in terms of a, a stable sort of work ongoing environment, and meanwhile you choose this, so so it's um, p- part of your own choosing. But uh, did you find that? Is that sort of a lonely endeavor, launching into a venture with, um, say, Emily? It's just the two of you. Did you yeah. love or feel exhilarated by that that bouncing of ideas, but off only sort of one person? Is that your sort of preference? Yeah, I'd always rather do it um, with a friend or two. Ab- yeah, okay, absolutely. You know, yeah. like um, you know, high wire acrobats um, amaze me because they're trusting that somebody else is going to catch them when they leap. Yeah, you know, off that bar. Um, and and in 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 any new venture that that you, that you take on, um, trusting that somebody's going to catch you when when you fall is a is a really important part of the experience for me. You know, yeah. and so. You know, hopefully, when Emily's down, I'm up, and 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 when I'm down, she's up, yep. and um, you know, we, we we practice care for each other. Um, we don't get to see each other in, in person terribly much, but you know, there's a lot of message traffic back and forth, and um, you know, one of the most important things for me, you know, early in deciding to do this together was was to was to bring our partners into into the discussion, you know, our life partners, and and say, you know, get a second read on this person, get a second read on what it is that we're aiming to do, um, you know, and, and, and you know, my my son is a part of that discussion as well, mm. you know, like you know, that 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 tribe begins with family and and includes close friends and and um, you know, feeling like you're not in this, you know, all alone is is you know, the enabling factor that allows us to to to, to do everything that we. Do. Yeah, yeah, and you've uh, you've just done the hard work for me. The perfect segue because <laughs> I was going to end <laughs> my last my last point was uh, was around um, the ro- not the role of family, but family. Um, you know, a most important thing in our lives. And so, um, I do want to thank you. I, I know you've been sharing with your partner <laughs> the podcast, so she can sort of like you know give you the feedback, and she might you might she might maybe get a kick out of um, 
um, hearing you as one of the speakers on it. Uh, we'll see. But um, but uh, I want to ask you um, a little bit like in, in terms of your your uh, so you've got children that growing up and you're heavily involved in the mental capacity how do you sort of strike that balance and what are you sort of observing um in your children as they as they grow what are you um really enjoying about that journey look i've got i've, I've got one son and um and he's oh 19. i apologize no no that's all right apologize. that's all right yeah it's a normal assumption yeah um and and uh and and 19 um is is, is fantastic um because he's you know for the past few years i've, I've started to see um the man ar- arise in him you know yeah yeah and, yeah. Yeah. and uh um you know, his 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 mother um, had to go through a period of mourning because because she was losing her little boy. Right. You know, this this big hulky, sweaty, smelly yeah, yeah, yeah. thing was yeah. in her living room instead. <laughs> I've um, seen it. But while yeah yeah, while she was losing her little boy, I was gaining um, a best mate gradually yeah. over time. You know, um, and so you know he's he's a he's a whole human being who's who's um, you know he's in a committed relationship. Uh, um, he's a trusted employee. Um, you know, he has close friends that he doesn't let down. Um, he has passions that he's you know absolutely mad about, yeah. um, and and that you know that brings me you know such great joy because you know like all of us you know you, um, like like entrepreneurs like startup founders, you know you, you learn by trying and failing and learning from your mistakes and 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 moving forward you know and it seems like you know I haven't fucked up too 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 much, um, <laughs> and uh, you know so the other night you know he and I performed. Um, a, a two-person um, stand-up routine that we do together with with two punchlines in it, um, and just like to look at him, you know, a, across the the stage, which was the living room when when we did that. Just to look across him and see that like knowing smile between the two of us. Like, okay, let's let's do our thing. You know, that's uh, I'm getting a bit bit emotional about that. Yeah, that's a very cool thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a great um. Yeah, yeah it's a great. He's a great young to leave man. on. Yeah. It's a yum. Have you? Uh, does he finally understand what you do? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's hard. Does. It's yeah. hard to articulate. Um, totally. I, I, I find this difficult all the time with my yeah, wife in particular yeah. and my friends, and it's uh, yeah. almost a running joke. But um, does he understand? And, and does he understand? Uh, I guess the the passion you pour into um, your daily endeavors. He does. You know, all this year he's been working remotely for this this awesome agency, where um, you know he's he's on Zoom, he's on Slack. Um, you know, he's got Friday night um, uh, catch up with the team. He's got all hands. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's getting, you know, what I do. Um, and so that means a huge amount to me. And I think it helps him, you know, that, that I understand, you know, that he, you know, he wants to work in narrative and film and television and yeah. um, platform games one day. Amazing. And, and, and the, the fact that, you know, I don't freak out about that, that, you know, that he, he spends a bit of time on Xbox each day and then writes a review of a game for, for a go-to game. Yeah. Um, you know, the, that I get that, that I believe that there's a future career path there for him and that, you know, I think helps him a bit. We, we butt heads on a bunch of things, but not about where his career is heading. He's, he's, he's going places. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, look, we're going to wrap it up now, but I couldn't think of um, any more apt point to... Uh, to end the conversation on uh, being uh, family, this is the last. Yeah, thanks, uh, this is the last episode uh, I'm recording for this um, this uh, this year. So um, cool. it's a really lovely sentiment to end on, and um, I'm really appreciative of you uh, being part of the the podcast today, but also for um, for sharing it around so widely. So thank you very much, Alan. Thank you, man. I hope you have a great summer. Yeah, you too. All the best. So that was my chat with Alan Jones, uh, the good one, <laughs> and a chat uh, I've been looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, we mentioned it very briefly, but we ended up catching up in person later that evening after we'd gone about our respective days. And I don't know, I always find a post-podcast is a, 
um, it's sort of a, a uh, if it's strange, uh, sort of a bonding experience. You've, you've had someone sort of pour a lot of their feelings and perspectives out to just you. Um, and, and you may be somewhat of a stranger. So I always get it, enjoy getting to know people that little bit more. And that's why I'm always appreciative of their time and, um, you know, and getting those little insights into people's lives. Uh, so great chat, Alan. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you can find Alan Jones on Twitter at Big Yahoo. And he's a regular contributor to Smart Comedy and, uh, and other such publications with his various perspectives on startups and tech trends, um, including why they need to take their marketing and PR more seriously to just mention one. So my name's Gary Williams, or Gaz as I get called, um, and music on this podcast is by my old band Bateman. You can find us on Bandcamp. Uh, Till next time, thanks once again for joining. Cheers. Cheers.